Welcome to Learn CCR, your premier podcast destination for everything about closed circuitry breather diving. We bring you the most up-to-date information, training tips, and engaging discussions with experts from around the globe. So gear up, tune in, and let's embark on this underwater journey together. This is Learn CCR, your ultimate source for rebreather diving info, training, and discussion. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Mod 1. What is the Mod 1 course? Uh, kind of an overview and the structure of them. Uh, general structure because it will vary per instructor and agency. We will also be talking about what you will learn during that course and how to prepare. So let's jump right into it and let's talk about what is a mod one course. Well, mod one is a CCR course, and that's kind of your beginning point uh, into closed circuit diving. So with mod one, there's a couple of different levels, if you will, kind of based on where you already are in your diving career. You can do air dill, no deco, uh, and that's down to 100 feet. In depth, uh, you can do air del deco, which is still an air diluent that um, allows you to do deco and go to depths of up to 130 feet. There's heliotrox del deco, which is, again, deco and up to 150 feet using uh, heliotrox as your diluent. And then depending on your current open circuit rating and what agency you're doing it with, you may qualify for some of the plus ratings so that you could do like a um, uh, up to 170 foot depth rating there with deco, obviously. Um, go ahead. Okay, so just breaking those down a little bit, just like you did. Uh, if you do not have advanced nitrox and decompression procedures, uh, you will likely start off in a air diluent, no deco course. Past that, if you do have advanced nitrox, deco procedures, or other uh, technical dive training, you'll start off air deal, no deco, then in the course, gradually work up to decompression dives. And where you finish on that depends a lot on one, the agency that you're taking it with, the instructor, and your performance. In order to finish the certifications, you have to successfully complete each of the dives and that kind of lets you know where you're going to end up on the decompression, whether it's, you know, air dill deco to 130 or heliotrox to 150, or if you're already certified and have a lot of uh, experience technical diving, I'm going to pause right here for a fix. Or you'll be able to qualify for some of the plus ratings that some of the agencies offer. So a lot of this has to do, you know, with your current experience and background, as Amanda was saying. Yeah, and then, like you said, it depends a lot on how you perform during the class as well. We say it all the time, um, you don't purchase certification, you earn it. So just showing up and paying for the class doesn't mean you get the rating you expected to leave with. That's all based on you. So, yeah, and that kind of rolls right into our second topic of this is what I uh, will learn during this course. So do you want to speak to that a little bit? 
Sure. Um, a couple of things that you can expect to learn in any course. Again, like John said, this is kind of a really big overview because it depends a lot on your instructor and the agency, as well as the unit you choose to dive as to how the class is actually structured. But typically, you're going to learn how to build your unit, how to maintain and care for that unit. You're going to learn a lot of different CCR skills that are going to build on kind of what you already know from the open circuit world, but some of them are also going to be completely different. So um, you'll learn all of those, and then you'll learn um, specific emergency procedures that are related to CCR diving. And again, a lot of those are going to be very unit-specific skills as far as the emergency stuff, for sure. So getting into that a little bit, when you're switching over from open circuit to rebreather, you're going to learn that a lot of the skills are not black and white like they are in open circuit. You know, uh, it's pretty obvious if you're out of air in open circuit or if your mass is leaking <laughs> and that'll happen on rebreather. But, you know, there's some things that are just obvious. Oh, every time I inhale, you know, I'm breathing a little bit of water. I got to tear my mouthpiece or my buddy's out of air. So yeah, there's a lot of cut and dry skills with rebreathers and open circuit, but some of the black and white cut and dry skills kind of, some of that starts to fade away as you get further into mod one, depending on how your instructor teaches. I've seen instructors teach using hand signals, some using flashcards. Uh, I personally use like a etch a sketch and draw out problems for you to start learning how to go from reacting to a problem to troubleshooting a problem. Yeah, to become a thinking diver, not just a robot. Correct. So an example of some of the skills that you will be responding to is my PO2 is too high. My PO2 is too low. Uh, a few others would be, you know, uh, I got to get off the loop. I'm feeling hypercapnic. Or, you know, or there's a failure of the rebreather and I'm belling out. So, and each one of these scenarios have, has different ways to work out and troubleshoot each of these problems. And these will be unit specific. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the ways you teach um, responses to these drills? Yeah. So just um, some basic overviews. Uh, well, like you were talking about with the, uh, your PO2 is too high. Like, how do you respond to that first? We've, you've got to go and check your oxygen. You've got to make sure everything's functioning the way it's supposed to be. And then start chasing down the problems for the, from there. And depending on what unit you're on, the order you check things is going to be slightly different from one to the next. But when it boils down to it, if your PO2 is too high, that means gas is getting in somewhere it shouldn't be. <laughs> and uh, you've got to figure out where that's coming from. That may involve getting off the loop on some units while you trace it down. That may involve just, again, kind of tracing your lines and finding the problem. Uh, kind of the same thing for PO2 too low. It's kind of the opposite, but you're still, you've got to make sure you've got gas and that everything's connected where it's supposed to be. And that... um you know, everything is functioning the way it should be. Start at your tank and work your way through. Um, hypercapnic, you just 
you, you bail out and that's going to look different from one unit to the next. I know some units have gag straps and everything else that, you know, that's going to play a role in the bailout procedure and that kind of thing. So like I said, very things can vary from unit to unit, but they're all going to have the same basic processes. So kind of talking about becoming a thinking diver, like you brought up, there are a lot of different situations on a rebreather that's going to cause you to think stuff like my PO2 is too high. My set point was 1.2 and now it's a 1.4. Maybe I dip down in depth a little bit. Maybe I, you know, bump the manual addition valve, the MAV, or maybe my MAV is slowly leaking by. So your instructor will get with you to teach you how to respond to these properly. But the important thing that you must know is that not everything is as cut and dry in rebreather training as it is in open circuit. Yeah, open circuit. We hear bubbles from a tank valve or from a first stage regulator. We cut the tank off and that's it. That's all there is to it. Um, With rebreathers, like you said, it's a little different. You got to trace down that problem and figure out what's causing it. So kind of recapping what will I learn during the mod one course, you're going to learn all kinds of things. You're going to learn. Well, before you get there, you're probably going to have to do some e-learning. Yeah. E-learning much like all of the, or many of the other scuba classes you've taken up to this point. E-learning is a huge part of mod one. That's where your academics are going to get started. That's where you're going to learn what questions you need to ask your instructor. That's where, you're going to learn, again, basic pieces and parts to the regulators and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's what e-learning. Yeah, I, I really like to implement e-learning because, for instance, let's talk about like a basic open water class. When you teach open water and you have students coming in that's already done e-learning, you're not explaining this is a scuba mass. This is why tempered glass is important. They know that we can really focus in on the really important things. Not that that isn't important, but the the stuff that they really need to get muscle memory and drilled into their head, uh, things that's going to matter during the dive. So uh, just like that with the rebreathers, you've got a foundation laid about a little bit of knowledge that when the instructor is talking to you, that you can kind of know what he's talking about and kind of have some idea. And hopefully it's spurring questions for instead of your instructor just sitting there lecturing you for hours, you're actually interacting and learning and understanding the ins and out of your unit. For sure. And on that note, too, uh, especially since uh, COVID and everything, we've started implementing uh, a lot of virtual sessions before students come in person, which I think is really nice. It makes it where once we are in person, like you said, we kind of get to focus on the muscle memory side of things. And we still do in-person classroom, but those virtual sessions give you time to get to know each other a little bit and get things kind of nailed down before you meet in person that gives you time to ask those questions that maybe don't have to do with the unit. Maybe it's just re-breather diving in general and it's, you know, it 
helps things move along and I think it gives everybody a better experience. Yeah. And obviously when we get together, there will be lots of classroom and learning times. Uh, one of the things I really like to do with my students after they've done their e-learning and unit build is I like to get them in the pool and we'll run through the skills and things like that. Then the next day we'll come back and do some more classroom because they are more familiar with the unit and more familiar with the terminology like dill flush and, you know, manually add or manually run or all these things that may not make a lot of sense. Well, once you've done it a time or two in the pool, I can kind of speak to it and you have more of a connection to what that skill actually is. And then we can start the learning process from there. It seems to cohese a bit better with them. Absolutely. I think combining academic stuff with actual skills in the pool and building the unit and touching and feeling and having that tactile interaction with it is helpful. I mean, they do that with kids in grade school, you know, it still works for us as adults too. Right. It's great for me because I have what the scientists call crippling ADHD, debilitating ADHD. So me being able to get my hands on it, play with it, turn knobs, mush buttons, and other things like that uh, is really helpful for my learning experience. Uh, to be able to get my hands on it and make connections like that. Yeah, and I think that you're not the only one with crippling ADHD, so I think that's a good thing for everybody. Well, unfortunately, (laughs) you got ADHD by injection. (laughs) Anyway, so we have talked about a basic overview and structure. You know, uh, a mod one course is going to uh, run about six days of in-person time and that's not including zoom calls or e-learning and things like that yeah so i think the six days uh the six day commitment kind of tends to turn a lot of people off but i want you to remember that you're completely relearning how to dive and this is a brand new not only piece of equipment but a brand new technique to everything you're doing and most people in today's world spend at least four days learning how to just do open water so you can give two more to learning how to dive to a hundred foot on a gas mixing machine that's i've taught both classes and you have two where some people, and they can't help it, they have to do it due to schedule, but break the course up over several weekends. And then there's the ones who can actually take the time off and take six, seven, eight days to come down and just live, eat, sleep, dive, rebreather. All right. Every day, morning and night is rebreather. We wake up, we build our units. Uh, uh, we go to the pool. The next day, our, uh, our units are built. We go to the boat, go diving, come back, break down, clean units, get ready again for the next day. And repetitiveness and frequency of that repetitiveness causes that learning to kind of burn into that person. Where I see the people who has to stretch it out over, you know, a weekend here, two days here, a day there, three days here, they seem to be 
relearning the unit almost every time they get back in the water. And I would highly suggest, and it's worth your time and investment to take that time off of work and go spend a week with an instructor. For sure. I would wholeheartedly agree with that as well. Like I said, I know six days sounds like a lot. And I know that, you know, certain jobs you you can't break away. But I will say that the people who can come and do that six days straight tend to get it in six days. Whereas the people who break it up over a few weekends, it's not a, it's, it ends up being well over the six days that they would have spent. It ends up every time. Yeah. Every time. And it ends up costing them more because they're having to, again, relearn every time we get together and it's taking more dives, more days with their instructor paying a daily rate after a certain course fee. And, uh, it's, uh, sometimes it becomes defeating for the student. So try to take that time off if you can make it happen. So the last thing that we're going to talk about is how to prepare, how to prepare for your first rebreather, your mod one course. So Amanda, take it away. Well, the biggest thing I think you can do is show up to class with everything ready to rock and roll. Uh, Make sure you have completed your e-learning. Don't show up to the first day in person and be like, oh, yeah, I'll finish tonight. Don't do that. That's not good for you, and it's not good for the instructor. Show up with all that stuff completed and ready to rock and roll. Make sure that you have all the gear necessary for your class. Your instructor will most likely send you a required gear list or a recommended gear list. Make sure you have everything. Don't show up, you know, don't show up to class and be like, oh, I need cam bands and I need bolt snaps and I need this and take, you know, half a day out of the time that you have come prepared to learn to have to go to the dive shop and hunt down, you know, equipment that you need, show up with all that stuff ready to rock and roll. True. The, the instructor should have at this level, the instructor should have sent you some kind of gear list of things that you need to have, you know, and depending on the rig that you're diving, depending on the configuration, some of that stuff is going to have to be you know, set up during class and that's part of the build day, but you shouldn't be looking for bolt snaps for your octo or bolt snaps for your computer or lanyards and bungee. All that stuff should have been, have yeah. your gear that you have and know what to do with ready to rock. Yeah, you should at least have the gear in your possession was, was my thing. Correct. And just have the gear that you know Needs to be ready, ready. Uh, you know, your mask, the strap should be good on it. Your bungees on your computer, uh, all that stuff. I've seen people show up and we've seen people show up to a CCR class. I didn't think I needed dive boots. <laughs> uh, well, we're going diving You're gonna, and you still need fins. So really it's just what's changing is what you're wearing on your back and sides. So, or your front, depending on the rebreather. So, yeah, I'll have all that squared away. Don't, you know, make it hard for yourself or for your instructor. You know, most of the stuff can be taken care of beforehand, just like a medical. So if you're taking a rebreather course, you're going to have to fill out a RSTC 
Medical. That's the Recreational Scuba Training Council. You're going to have to do that. So go ahead and download that off the agency's website or contact your instructor beforehand. That way, if you need to go get a physician sign-off, you're not figuring that out day one of class and putting the class on pause. Yeah, especially if you're traveling for your class, that can be a huge, uh, huge issue if you can't find a doctor in that area. So another thing I would say about how to prepare is don't try to be prepared and know everything that you should know about diving your rebreather in the class. That's what the class is for. Uh, We have a lot of people who get really down on themselves when they don't perform 100% that they're having to redo skills, maybe even redo dives. But this is why you're in class. You're not in class to perform perfectly. You're in class to learn how to dive the rebreather. One of my students had just such a hard time because he had been a, you know, a, a very active and a successful tech diver for many years. He was really, really good technical diver. His buoyancy was on point, but when he switched to rebreather, man, it was just wearing him out that he had trouble with buoyancy. And he was so hyper fixated on trying to fix his buoyancy that I had to stop him and say, hey, just lay down on the bottom get fixed somewhere so that we can learn how to operate this unit. Once you learn how to live on the unit, once you learn how to monitor your PO2, manually run it, manually uh, fly this thing and, you know, work your computer and all these different things that you need to do on a rebreather, then you can worry about your buoyancy. You know, that's what the pool session's for. Absolutely. So come in a teachable mindset. And on that note, uh, you can do research beforehand. You can watch videos. You can read books. I highly encourage that. And something else I encourage my students to do is as you're reading and as you're watching videos and things like that, if you have a question, why did this person do this? Or how do you do such and such? Or I heard somebody say this, write it down, put it in your phone, bring it to class. Let's talk about it like that. If you're wondering why things are the way they are or why this person did that, let's talk it through. I think that's an excellent learning um, opportunity for all of us. For sure. It's relatable. It's something that you've been exposed to and you can think about and break down. So how to be prepared. One, make sure all your ducks in a row when it comes to personal gear, uh, waivers and medicals. Have all that stuff ready to go that you already know needs to be there. And then come with an open mind, knowing that you may or may not be a rock star. And it's totally fine. It's totally fine if you're having buoyancy issues. It's more important in the beginning to learn how to operate the unit. My brother used to run heavy equipment, and he used to say this thing that stuck with me. He said, there's some people who could drive heavy equipment. He said, there's a few people that can operate, that they can actually operate the equipment. And he said, you want to be an operator when you're running heavy equipment. I think a lot about that with the rebreather. You know, some people can dive them and some people can really operate those things. And in order to be able to learn how to operate the unit, to really, really be proficient at it, 
you've got to spend time on it. That's where you, you're going to have to spend some hours on this thing. You're outside of class. You're not during class. You're not going to learn ev- everything. Absolutely be perfect buoyancy, you know, um, holding within a foot. You, you're not going to be that way for the most part. So you're going to be able to learn how to survive on the unit, how to respond to emergencies, have uh, some buoyancy control, but that fine tuning, you know, motionless hovering, don't get so caught on that that you can't learn the rest of the stuff that's super important during this class. So, and obviously buoyancy is a very important thing, but being able to have a breathable loop is more important. I would agree. Learn how to survive on the unit. You can look pretty later. So, ending today's episode, we're talking about Mod 1 and kind of an overview and a structure of the course. We talked about what you'll learn, some of the things that you'll learn during the course and how that's very unit specific and how to prepare coming into the class with a teachable mindset and all the ducks in a row that you can have in a row, have them in a row. And if you've got any questions, bring them. <laughs>